We are in week two of our series. We're calling this, You Drive Me Crazy. Now listen, before you start pointing at anybody in the room, let's just talk about this for just a moment. Can we do this? A series called You Drive Me Crazy, a series on relationships, and really it's all kinds of relationships. We got this is addressing those who are in married relationships. Where are the married folk at? Just wave at me right now if you're in a married relationship. Wave at me if you're not married but wish that you were. Come on, just wave at me right now. Anybody like that? Okay, what about wave at me if you are married but wish that you weren't? No, you better not wave. We're going to keep it real, but you don't need to be waving. This could be for relationships with people at work. It could be relationships with people at school. It could be relationships with your neighbors. It's all kinds of relationships. How many of you have ever had a relationship that you would just be honest? It just drove you crazy. Come on, raise your hand right now. Ever had a relationship like that? Maybe you had one like that. Maybe you have one like that. Sometimes it is a spouse. Sometimes it's a girlfriend or a boyfriend. Sometimes it's, it's your in-laws. Sometimes it's your neighbor. Sometimes it's your coworkers. Sometimes it's your kids. I love my kids. I love every one of my kids, all six of them. Can I tell you the other day before I left the house, when I was just trying to, all I was trying to do, my own business, just walk from inside the house to outside the house. It wasn't asking for a whole lot, just from inside the house to outside the house. As I was on my way, one of the little ones said, Dad, can you reach up there and, and grab the cereal for me? So I stopped, sure, I'd be happy to do that. And as I was reaching up, the, the smallest one spilled his cereal or whatever. So I'm like, hold on. So I'm down there and I'm trying to clean it up when a, another one came by and said, Daddy, can you tie my shoe? Not right now. About that time, one came in and said, Daddy, want to see me do a cartwheel? I said, no! I'm about to lose my mind. And, and, and the truth is, I really thought that moment, I thought, am I being punked right now? Am I, are y'all doing this on purpose? Like, are you, do y'all get together and say, let's just see what happens if we do this? Like, is that what you're trying to do? How do you know that sometimes the people that you love the most are the first to drive you the craziest? If you can't say amen, say mm-hmm, right? I mean, it's just, it's just true. Sometimes the ones that we're closest to can get under our skin the most. Well, we all have had or have relationships that drive us crazy. The good news is you can work through it. And today I'm going to tell you how. Last week, Pastor Herbert talked about how a lot of the relational tension or relational conflict that we experience is the result of destructive behavior. Uh, if you missed that message last week, you can go online and just check that out on the peopleschurch.tv website and, and watch that. Very, very helpful, very practical message. Today we're going to look at another reason, another cause of relational challenge or relational conflict. And, and I would suggest to you that it has to do with this, this sickness that is going around, this sickness that is rampant. And right now, everybody's thinking, man, could he be talking about the flu? Let's just be honest. How many of you know that the flu will test the strongest of marriages, right? Remember that little line, in sickness and in health, and then somebody gets the flu, and you're like, man, I didn't think it was going to be this bad, right? But the flu's been going around. I, even my doctor said the other day, he said, this is the worst that, that we've seen in over 10 years. It's just all over the place. But I want to talk to you, though, about something that I believe has infected even more people than the flu. 
It's a condition that is very, very difficult to self-diagnose. But it's one that others can easily see when you have it. And it's something that I would call a bad case of plank eye. It's a bad case of plank eye. Let me read to you what I'm talking about out of Matthew chapter 7, verses 3, 4, and 5. Scripture records this in Matthew chapter 7. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there is a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Would you just turn and look at somebody right now and say, you got a plank in your eye. Go ahead and just tell them that. You've got a plank in your eye. I love that picture. This is a great picture. Uh, I don't like how convicting it is to me, because it is convicting, but I love how relatable it is. It's so true. This is an amazing picture because it's so accurate. This really describes me. It's a part of all of us. It's a part of our sin nature. Listen to how Proverbs says it in Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 2. It says, every way of a man is right in his own eyes. Now, ladies, before you start shouting me down, saying, yeah, especially my man. This is talking about all of us. Every way in all of our own eyes, it appears to be right. In other words, we tend to see other people's faults a lot uh, sooner, a lot more easily than we see our own. How many of you have discovered that some people treat fault-finding like it's an Olympic sport? Have you noticed that? Some people act like it is their goal in life, and it's, it's like they're trying to get the gold medal, if you will. I mean, they're just like so good at finding fault, and the result is a lot of our relational frustration is due to being focused on the flaws of others. So what is the cure for plank eye? Well, if you're taking notes, and I think that'd be cool if you would, you could just write down a few of these thoughts, and these are going to help us because, listen, today, we all face relational struggles. I get it that even in a room this size today, there are, there are married couples in here today, and maybe your marriage is just hanging by a thread. Maybe you're going through stuff to where you're like, man, to say that, that he gets on my nerves or that she gets on my nerves would be the understatement of the century. You know, you're like, that's not even putting it mildly. Maybe there's just so much like animosity and strife. Can I just tell you today that you've come to the right place? You picked a great Sunday to be in the house of God. Because how many of you know that at times we may be looking at impossible relational situations, but with God, all things are possible. Can you say amen to that? So no matter where you are, I want you to know there is hope for you to have relational peace. The question is, how do we get a cure for what could be causing a large part of the frustration? Well, here are a few things. Number one is this. Focus on becoming who God wants me to be or for you to be rather than fixing someone else and trying to get them to be who I want them to be. Now, that's a mouthful. Let me, let me just say it again. Focus on becoming who I 
should be according to God rather than trying to cause somebody else to become who I feel like they ought to be. Now, how many of you who are married, you would say that you married somebody different than you? Can I just see your hand if you married somebody? Come on, raise it up right now. You say, I married somebody who's different than me. Some of you would say, man, I'm an introvert and, and, and she's an extrovert. Some of you would say, well, I'm a morning person, but he's a night person. Anybody like that? Where are the morning people? Just wave at me right now. All the morning people. See, they're bright and they're smiling. <laughs> night people are like, hey, can't y'all have like a four in a, uh, afternoon service, you know, that we could all come to? Some are more adventurous. Some are more relaxed. Some are more of a verbal processor. Some are more internal processor. Some people like cats. Some people are normal. You know what I'm saying? Like this is, we have differences. And our differences can cause us frustration. How many of you have noticed that opposites first attract and then they attack? Have you ever noticed that before? A lot of times the reason we're frustrated, though, is because not so much how somebody else is acting or the crazy things that they did or the things that they did not do, but a lot of times the relational frustration comes from our own struggles and issues within. Everybody say, I have issues. You see, when we're so frustrated, it's often because we're so focused on what somebody else is doing that we don't like and instead of talking through those differences, we become bothered or frustrated by them. Instead of working through it, we want to address it or attack it. And a lot of times this is where the relationships get uh, really tense because we start getting either hysterical or historical. You ever seen a couple do that before? Hysterical, just drama. Let me tell you something else, and I'll tell you another thing, and you better write this down. They got all kinds of ideas. They get hysterical. Sometimes it's historical. You've always been like this. You always do this. Your, your mama was like that. You know, just getting all historical. Going three, four generations deep on this, right? We're frustrated. We're getting historical. We're getting hysterical. Can I just tell you that my biggest frustrations with Casey, my wife, when I look at it, they can usually get traced back to a problem in my own heart. It's not so much something that she's doing. But it's, we're different. That's the beauty of it, that we're different. We, we see life differently. We, we think differently. We, we process differently. That's a good thing. And I'm learning this more and more. To enjoy the diversity, you have to embrace the differences. To enjoy the diversity, the fact that I'm glad, like really and truly, if you asked me and just made me answer honestly, if you say, do you wish Casey was just like you? I'd be like, no, I have enough hard, hard enough time living with me. You know, I wouldn't want another one of me. And yet I find myself trying to get her to think like me. Come on, don't look at me so judgmental. You know you do the same thing. We just, <laughs> when they're thinking differently, like, how could you think that? Or they want to do something we're doing. What makes you think that would be a good idea? And what we're saying is, think just like me. Process just like me. Casey loves to go through life just enjoying everything and everybody. 
everything. So she just walks into the room. She want to be your best friend. She want to sit down over a cup of coffee with everybody, every single person. When we're traveling there, going through the airport, she's like, hello, hi. Just talking to everybody. When I go through the airport, B-18, B-18. That's what I'm looking for. I'm going straight to B-18. And I want to get there, and she can be like, hey, the plane doesn't leave for an hour. I'm like, hey, we're going to get to B-18, and after we get there, then we can relax. Until we get to B-18, we're on a mission. Can anybody relate to me right now? You're just like, let's just get there. And then you get there, and it's like, all right, we're here, B-18, all right, all right. That's the gate. There's a bathroom. All right. You know, you just kind of want to check it out. So and I'm not even making this up, y'all. So now what we have to do, we get there, and I say, meet you at B-18. All right, see you in a little bit. And I just go. Some of you are like, that's not even, that's not chivalry. You know, that's not, that's not, that's not honoring. That's not, hey, it has saved our marriage, all right? So you just step back. I mean, we are a couple of in unity right now. Because I just realized, boy, this is just, it's sometimes like, can't you just, and wouldn't you just? And then I have to step back and go, huh. It might just be that I'm a little uptight about B-18. It might be that I could just take a deep breath. Let me give you the summary of this thought. Be more committed to becoming a better version of you rather than trying to get them to become another version of you. Let me say it again. Be more committed to becoming a better version of you rather than trying to get them to become another version of you. If God had wanted another you, he would have made another you. But he made you to be you, and he made the people that he brings into your life to be them. And a lot of times when we're frustrated, what we should do is step back and see, what if maybe there's something that I can't even see past about myself that God may be trying to work on? Let me give you a second thing, just in case that one didn't help you. All right, here's number two. And I'm saying this in a positive way, so notice the wording. Be a person who is not easily offended. Like if you feel yourself uh, being driven crazy by a situation or by a person, I should say, and there's this relationship that's really bugging you, and you can feel like and think it's beyond your control. So number one is that we want to look at them and just be like, if they, if they, and if she would just stop, and if they would just stop acting like that, if she just wouldn't be so much like her mom, if, 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 and we're focusing on that. And instead, what if we look back and said, listen, I need to grow. What can I change? And then the second thought, what if I work to not be so easily offended? Listen to Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 11. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. That's a good verse right there, isn't it? Proverbs chapter 19, verse 11. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. You know, I know in my own life I try and work on this, and, man, some days I'm doing better than others. I know as a couple we try and work on this. I know in my relationship with my kids we work on this. I know with the relationship with, between my children we try and work on this. 
So whenever one of the kids come up and they want to tell me all about something somebody did, you know, or something, they're like, do you know what she said? Do you know what she did? And, and they're all upset. And I say, well, you know what? That's on them. How you are reacting is on you. You're being bothered by that. You're being offended by that. How many of you understand, and this is what we're trying to teach our kids, trying to teach myself, how do you understand? You cannot control how someone may disrespect you, but you can totally control on how you respond to that. You can't control if somebody's always going to be kind to you or not, but you can totally, you are 100% in control. And so I live a life, no matter what you would say or do, if I'm like, this is up to me whether or not I'm going to be offended. I will not allow you to rob me of my own peace. I will not allow you to rob me of my own joy. And I tell our, our children that, it's like, that's up to you. You get to choose. They hurt my feelings. Well, bummer for them, but bummer for you that you let that hurt your feelings. You just need to shake that off. I know that it's easier said than done, but this is something that I've noticed about myself. One of the best indicators of how self-absorbed I am is how easily bothered I am by other people. I mean, the easier I'm, the more easily I'm offended. It tells me a lot. Just kind of helps me gauge about how into self and all about me. I am. If I have no expectation for you to make me happy, then it's going to be a lot easier for me to not allow you to make me sad because I'm not putting my joy or my hope or my peace in somebody else's hands. I've noticed this when I'm tired. I notice this like if I'm carrying stress that I take things way too personally. I mean, I can get to get all uptight. How many of you ever noticed that when you're running late, and you're driving somewhere, and you're running late, and man, you're just booking. You feel stressed, your blood pressure high. Have you noticed that the entire uh, uh, highway turns against you? Have you ever noticed that before? Like somehow they just knew that I was running late, and they all, here he comes. I'm in front of him. I'm going as slow as I can. I'm behind him. I'm riding his bumper. I'm like, would you get off of me? And, and I really, like, this is just funny, but it's so true. I can really be behind somebody and think, they're doing this on purpose. They are doing this on purpose as if they know I'm running late. Hey, do you know what I'm talking about? Isn't that weird about our human nature? Somebody's driving too slowly. Somebody's following too closely. Somebody parked too close to the line, and now I can't have that spot that's close to the door because this, 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 person doesn't know how to park their car <laughs> easily bothered easily offended easily irritated how many of you are with me that says a lot more about me than it does about them what about you do you find yourself frustrated easily with others do you find yourself bothered by a personality at work and it's just bugging you and driving you crazy? Are you quickly frustrated with your server at the restaurant when they don't come quickly enough? You know what? I can bounce back and forth between this one. Sometimes they don't come quickly enough and sometimes they just come too often. You ever notice that? Like sometimes I'm like, man, well, you can't even find one. And then, you know, like they set it down and they're like, how is it? You're like, I hadn't, I hadn't even taken a bite. You just put it down. How am I supposed to know how I like it? You know, I do. Could you? Mm, it's good. All right. This is the best I've ever. <laughs> but sometimes, 
Sometimes it just feels like I can't find. And then other times, how many of you know that says more about me? It's like, man, just enjoy your cheeseburger, bro. Just relax. It's all good. Shaking the glass, rattling the ice. Man, you'll get something to drink in just a minute. It's okay. How many of you know that when I'm easily offended, I can't blame anybody else. I have to look at my own heart. Can you say amen? Let me give you this third and this final piece. It's this. Don't allow your feelings to do your thinking. When you're looking at your relationships and you feel like there's some friction and some conflict there, make sure that you don't allow your feelings to do your thinking. How many of you know that we call feelings feelings because you can feel them, right? And how many of you know that we're not supposed to think with our feelings? A lot of relationships fail because they're based more on chemistry than they are commitment. You see, when the feelings change, they start looking for someone else or something new to give them those feelings they had when the chemistry was there. Healthy relationships are never built on chemistry. The feelings, the wow, the mmm, oh, this was fun, oh, I liked it, oh, it felt good. Chemistry. Healthy relationships will never be built on chemistry. They may start with chemistry. But you can't build them on chemistry. You know how it is when you first start dating. She thinks everything that he says is funny. All his jokes are funny. And then when the chemistry leaves, she thinks he is a joke. (laughs) You know how it is when they're dating. He's like, she's all about me. Always texting me. Always calling me. Always want to be with me. And then the chemistry wears off. He's like, she's like a leech. She won't even let go. She's just always wants. She's controlling chemistry. You see, commitment will always trump chemistry. Chemistry comes and goes. Commitment stays. Chemistry will deceive you. Commitment will save you. The reason we call feelings feelings is because you can feel them, but love is a choice. Can you say amen to that? Love is a choice. You don't feel commitment. You choose commitment. I just feel committed. No, you don't. You can feel chemistry. Oh, this is easy. This is a fun relationship. You can feel that. But God-honoring relationships aren't based on feelings. They're based on commitment. Let me talk to you for just a minute as I prepare to wrap up about emotions. Can I talk to you about emotions for just a moment? Somebody said, please do, preacher. Help us with this. God gave us emotions. Emotions are not bad. We are emotional beings. God created us to have emotions, to feel emotions. Listen to what Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 26 says. It says, in your anger, how many of you guys know that anger is a true emotion? It's a real emotion. In your anger, do not sin. Does it say right there that if you're angry, it is a sin? Come on, talk to me. Does it say that being angry is a sin? No, it says in your anger, do not sin. In other words, you can experience the emotion of anger without sinning. You can feel angry, but that doesn't mean you go punch somebody. 
You can feel sad or discouraged, but that doesn't mean you give up on somebody. You can feel afraid, but that doesn't mean that you run and hide. Feelings tell us how we feel, not how to think. Let me say it this way. Your emotions can tell you how to feel, but they should not tell you how to live. Hear that and let it sink into your heart. Emotions can tell you how you feel, but they should never tell you how you should live. And if you don't intentionally lead your emotions, your emotions will lead you. If you're not stewarding and in control of your emotions, they will be dictating how you view the people around you, the relationships close to you, because your emotions are driving you. You can't allow your emotions to drive you. You need to drive them. And when you're not in control of your emotions, you will find yourself thinking things that you should not be thinking. When you're not in control of your emotions, you will find yourself doing what you should not be doing. Don't let your emotions rule you. Let them inform you on how you feel. But then you tell them what you're going to do with those feelings. And I would suggest to you that it is possible to have your emotions emotions work for you instead of against you. How do you do it? Let me give you a couple of scriptures. Isaiah chapter 26, verse 3. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. According to Scripture, what's the key to having peace in your life? Well, it's when everybody around you acts exactly like you want them to. It's when your spouse treats you just the way they ought to, you will have perfect peace. Does it say that? When your kids are all well-behaved, which means they're grown and gone. When all your kids are doing just what they're supposed to, you can have peace. That's not what the Scripture says. You can have perfect peace when your mind is fixed on God. What does that mean? Quit looking for your peace from some earthly relationship. Look at how you can bring love. Look at how you can put others' needs before your own. Before you're trying to point out their flaws, just make it your commitment to, I want to be a better version of me so that the relationships around me can experience the best me that I have to offer. See, when you're committed to being the person that you want, you have a lot better chance of reaping what you sow. Be the friend that you wish that you had. Be the spouse that you wish that you had. Be the coworker that you wish that you had. You don't have to wait for somebody else to bring you joy. Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. Somebody say always. He says, I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Now listen to verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. What does that mean? It means I'm going to commit all of my relationships to the Lord. It means I'm not going to be so preoccupied with their issues. I'm going to not be easily offended. And you know what? I'm not going to allow my emotions to dictate how I view or handle my relationships. Instead, here's what I'm going to do. 
I'm going to be the best me that I can be. And you know what? When it comes to the other people, I know that other people have flaws. But instead of pointing them out, instead of letting it rob me of my joy, I'm going to pray to God that God would bless them, that God would help them, that God would speak to them. Why? So that I can be happy. Nope. So that they can be who God created them to be. And here's what I find. As I'm doing that, he says, and the peace that passes all understanding will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. When you find yourself frustrated in a relationship that's driving you crazy, see what you can do to own your own peace. See what changes you can make in your own life to change you instead of waiting for someone else to change. And as I get ready to pray, I challenge every single one of you to know that if you're lacking peace today, there's only one who's the Prince of Peace who stands ready today to give you a hope, to give you a joy that can't be found in any earthly relationship. We're talking about a relationship with Jesus Christ. Let's pray.